All right, how are you, church family? Golly. Thank you very much over there in the back side. Well, I'm glad you guys are here this morning. I have uh, been laying back and uh, letting my awesome, courageous, brave wife, who has done a phenomenal job talking and teaching over the last couple weeks of we as we have been in our our series called Brave, as we have looked at very courageous and strong women in the Bible. And so we're going to continue today, and I just want to say that honestly around here it is, uh, this is, this really is the very first time that we have done a series really aimed at and geared for our ladies. Um, That's a big deal. I mean, if you, if, you, if you really look at all the series we've ever done, they all have some sort of, like, football reference, uh, you know, or just straight up the man series reference, uh, battle ready. I mean, you just look back in our history, and it's all very, been very male-centric. And, and we do that intentionally, but ladies, this one is for you. And uh, we love our ladies. Our, our, our ladies are awesome. Women, God did nothing short of putting amazing courage and bravery in you. In fact, I really do believe you are, you're, you're tougher than, than us guys. I mean, seriously, when I get sick, if I get a tummy ache, I, I want to I wanna tell my wife about it. <laughs> and uh, I, I want her to ask me about it. I want her to check on me every five minutes and ask me how I'm doing. In fact, I want to tell you when I'm feeling a tummy ache, and I want you to call and ask me how I'm doing. Uh, ladies, I mean, you, you, you do amazing things. Uh, I mean, just just uh, think about creation itself. I mean, I really believe that God had his first cup of coffee and made women. Um, when you think about when God created men, God created man, and then immediately after creating man, he said, I'd, I'd like to give this another shot. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, ladies, if, if we're being, I mean, don't get cocky. Don't get cocky. After he created you, he took a nap. Just saying. So uh, let me just ask. Let's, let me just ask the questions. Lady, do, ladies, and you just express however you think you should express. Um, how many of you women really do think you are tougher than men? Just, I need to just know. I mean, really, I was expecting for a whole lot more than that. <laughs> ladies, seriously, do you think you're tougher than men or not? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay, well... Uh, you are, you are amazing, and God created you, I mean, uniquely, uniquely special. This morning, we're going to dive into uh, another woman in the Bible. Um, you, may have heard, you may have heard of this woman. Her name is Hannah, and before I get started in introducing you to Hannah, let me just ask God to, to intervene on, on our behalf this morning and just open our hearts up, men and women alike that he would speak to us uh, clearly today. God, we, um, we want to take a moment and pause and honor you and your word this morning. God, we want to ask that you, your, your spirit, your Holy Spirit, would, would have uh, its will, your will, and your way in our hearts. God, would you, would you allow us to be able to hear and see what you would have us understand from your uh, holy, inspired, powerful word of God. God, I pray that every man, woman, and child uh, here today would, would be inspired 
by the inner working of God, that we would take spiritual steps towards you, courageous, brave, faith-filled spiritual steps towards you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're going to look at Hannah today. But before I look, we dive into the passage that will be in 1 Samuel today, uh, looking at Hannah. I want to I wanna set up the theme that I want you to see as we walk through her story today. I want, to, I want you to see this theme. This will be a reoccurring theme all the way through the, the passage that we talk about in 1 Samuel about Hannah. But this is Paul's words, the Apostle Paul's words, that you're going to see expressed all the way through this. So in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Paul says this statement, which I think is just engulfed in this very brave woman. Paul says this, Paul says rejoice always. Rejoice always, Paul says. He says rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, and if you need a reason why, if you need like, okay, here's why you should do this, Paul simply just says, for it's God's will. And at first glimpse, I want to say, Paul, this is just absolutely probably the most difficult thing you could ever ask of anybody. How do we rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances? To me, that's just, it's like, I don't, I don't know how that can happen. But I want you to see this morning that it is, this is a true mark of someone who is maturing spiritually. This is what bravery looks like. This is, this realistically, realistically is really what courageous faith looks like. When you, in the midst of any circumstance, any difficulty, that you can, you can lean on a, a perfect, sovereign, you can trust them always kind of God, whether it's good or bad. Paul says, you can do this. And not only can you do this, God wants to gift us the ability to do this, but it can only ever happen when we really fall back on an unwavering, solid God who we know that works all things, not just some things, but works all things for our good. And I just want to say, in a, in, a, in a room this size, with the amount of people we have here this morning, I know there is a, a boatload of you that have come in this morning, and you've got something heavy in your heart. Something heavy in your heart. And it may be something that you're dealing with physically. Maybe someone around you knows. Maybe someone doesn't know. Maybe it's some, some, some serious pain from your past. Maybe it's a struggle you're going through right now. Maybe it's because of the person you're sitting next to. I don't know. But I want to say in a room this size that God works all things for good. He just does. And I want to show you the courage and bravery of a woman this morning who, who models really what courage looks like through, through faith, following God by faith. So buckle up, 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you've got your Bible this morning, go ahead and pull your Bible out. Grab your smartphone, look this up, follow along with me if you don't have Either one of those, we'll have it up on our screens. But 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to walk through the story of, of Hannah. So here we go, meet Hannah. There was a certain man named, or uh, from Rathium, a Zephonite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jerome, son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zephu, or Zuf, an Ephraimite. Really glad that paragraph is over. Um, he, had, he had two wives, dun, dun, dun. 
He had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other was called Penina. And Penina had children. That's not why uh, Penina um, would be the villain in this, but she is by far the villainess in this story. But Penina had children, but notice this. It says, but Hannah had none. Now, let me just... Let me just kind of set this up culturally this morning. Um, Hannah was, was essentially the first wife that Elkanah loved. This was his first wife. He, he loved her. He married her. Penina was basically a business transaction because she could have kids. And, and in that culture and in that society, it was your everything to be able to have a child. In fact, Women felt, felt powerful when they had kids. They weren't, they weren't going out and becoming CEOs of companies. They weren't going out and, and fulfilling jobs. Their, their role, their, their thing to, to feel powerful and that I am really worth something was all about them being, being able to have children. And so Hannah had none and Paniah had children. So in verse 3, it says, year after year, this man went up from the town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty in Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, my translation, Ferb, the two sons of Eli, Eli is is a prophet here, he's he's sort of the the, the man of the hour, if you will, Eli were priests of the Lord, and whenever the day came when Elkanah, that's the husband, uh, went to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife Penina, and also to her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, notice, Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And then notice this, and the Lord had closed her womb. Who closed her womb? Who closed her womb? I just want us to say that out loud. The Lord closed Hannah's womb. See, I want us to really see in this passage today that, and this is a, this is a first real glimpse of God being a sovereign God. A, a God that is a God of the open womb and a God who is a God of the closed womb. It says that God closed her, closed her womb. See, what I want us to grasp, it says this in Scripture, it says that God reigns on the just and the unjust. Both good people and bad people have bad things happen. Uh, it doesn't take God off the throne when good things are happening or when bad things are happening. God is sovereign, and it says in Scripture that God works all things for good, not just some things. God's not just working good things for good or God things for good or just bad things for good, but God is working everything for good. And when you and I can grasp, as we read this today, if, if we can grasp that God is working all things to good, that I believe through this, God will gift us with this thing Paul talked about where we can rejoice always. That we can pray through these things and pray to God and trust God always. And we can, as we'll see Hannah do, give thanks in every circumstance. And again, this really, really is a mark of someone who is courageously following God by faith. Because I don't believe, I do not believe that you can intellectually really grasp God's sovereignty. I don't think it is something that we can intellectually 
really grasp that God does good things and allows bad things to happen. I think we can grapple with that for the rest of our lives. But when I read this, I remember when I would read something like this when I was, when I was younger, even when I was older, and I just hated things like this. I just hated to see, like, God, let this bad thing happen. How could God close this woman's womb? How can, we, how can we intellectualize and really say God's a good God when he lets bad stuff happen? I don't believe we can intellectually grasp ever that God is sovereign, both over the good and ever over the bad. I think this, is, I think this, is, this begins and ends with us following God by faith. This is a faith thing. This is where we just go, okay, God, I don't know why you closed this woman's womb. God, I don't know why maybe some of us have tried and tried and tried and tried to have kids and still have been unsuccessful. God, I can't understand why, but God, somehow, by faith, I'm going to still trust you. That's bravery. That's what courage looks like in this passage. And let me just say this. You will never make peace with God as a sovereign God, intellectually. It'll always begin and end with faith. Verse 6, because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her, as if she didn't have enough struggle all on her own. To here I am. Everybody knows I'm the woman who can't have kids. I, I must have no worth to anybody because I can't bear a son or a daughter for any lineage's legacy's sake. So here you've got this woman named Penina. We just think she's, uh, she's evil from the devil. Uh, and Penina continues to year after year. Verse 7 says, this went on year after year. And whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her until she wept, until she would not eat. Now, you know how guys like to fix problems. I love this next part of this passage. Yeah, guys, this just epitomizes our stupidity at times. All right, so, so listen to this. So, so here's Mr. Fixer, um, verse 8. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, this is as she's, you know, as, as they have gone to the temple, they're in church, and they're in the temple, and she's crying, she's weeping, and her husband would say things to her like, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? And then here's where stupidity comes in. Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? <laughs> I mean, just picture, here's this woman. She is, she's crying. She's just weeping. <laughs> you married this stupid woman. <sighs> just, she's upset. And he, he asks this question, don't I, mean to you more, don't I mean more to you than ten sons? She's like, What? Are you serious right now? Like you want to ask me? No, you don't need more than anyone right now. You married the woman from hell, right? I mean, this is just, it's hilarious, right? I mean, here, no, you, you don't mean. And he's just like, okay, I can see you need some time. I'm going to go over here. You know, I'm going to back off, right? Mr. Fix-It Man. All right, so in verse, uh, 1 Samuel, verse 10, it says this, and now, they're in the temple, all right? She's in the temple, and this prophet Eli is nearby. So in verse 10, it says, In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord 
and wept and was weeping bitterly. I mean, she is, this has gone on year after year after year. She can't have kids. Benaiah just rubs it in her face. She's weeping bit bitterly. And she makes a vow saying, and she actually, it says in Scripture that she stands up, stands up, and just sort of broadcasts this to everyone. She says, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but would give her a son, then, and this is powerful, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life. And no razor will be used on his head. This was, she's speaking of the, the, Nazarite, uh, the Nazarite vow like Samson took where he wouldn't cut his hair. Um, other people in Scripture did that. I've noticed some of you kind of Nazarite vow. I know all the, all the guys on the TV series, um, Duck Dynasty must be Nazarites. Um, so, so we're going to skip down and fast forward a little bit here, but she keeps praying. She goes on and prays for, for, for a good period of time. And the Lord eventually grants her a child. So she has a baby. Over a period of time, a few years, she's, she weans this child, and eventually she shows back up and uh, does one of, the, one of the most bravest things we see in history. Um, verse uh, 27, I prayed for this child. She shows back up. She shows back up, knocks on Eli's door at, at the house of God. Eli answers the door. She comes in, and she says, I, I was the one who prayed for this child. And the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now, I give him to the Lord. She's at his door. She shows up. She's carrying her baby. Bravest bravest act. I mean, this just sounds crazy, right? She's prayed and begged and begged God for this child. And here she is. She's like, and I'm going to give him to you. This, I, I, I promise God, if he would give me a son, I would give him over to the Lord for the rest of his life. So now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. And notice what she does. As soon as she hands him over, what does she do? What does she do? She worships. She worships. I mean, this, is a, this, is a, this, is, this has got to be one of the boldest acts of faith that we see in the Bible. I mean, we read about guys like Noah, right, and building the ark and, you know, the whole deal. And we see guys like, like God calling Abraham and go to, a, go to a, 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 a place that I will show you. Just start walking, Abe, and you'll figure out how to get there. I'll help you get there. But this woman, she begs for this gift of God. She gets this amazing, beautiful, perfect son, and now she's giving him over to God, and she's going, you know what? God, I love you. This is, this is one of these things in life where we just scratch our heads at somebody's faith. I mean, what's, what's happening here is this. She is essentially loving the giver more than the gift. And I think for us and me, I, I think there's a huge lesson in this for me. I'm a dad. I've got, I lost a mom several years ago. Sometimes I hold on to things a little bit too tightly because I think I'm going to lose them. But here's a woman 
who models faith by holding tightly on to God, but loosely on everything else. You see what's happening here? This woman is modeling what Paul talked about. Hey, the reason we can rejoice or we have the ability or God wants to gift us this ability to rejoice always and pray always and in all circumstances, trust God and live by faith. The way we do that is by understanding who gives the gift and not hold too tightly to the gifts themselves. And I do this all the time. I'm in this stage right now. I have a teenager in my house, and she's about to start driving, and she wants to spend the night at friends' houses, and I have kids going all over the place, and there's something inside of me that's, I know it's a fear deal. I know it's a hold on to something too tightly. I know they're gifts of God. I know I need to be trusting in him and not trusting in me. You know, I know there's some parenting and all that, but essentially, they're all God's. Everything that I have, everything that we have is a gift from God. And either we're going to hold on to them or we're going to hold on to God. And that's really the question. Who or what are we or you holding on to more tightly than we are to God? And so, I mean, we got this, we got this woman, Hannah, this strong powerful, brave, godly woman who begs God for a son. She gets her son, and she says, you know what, God? Thank you. And I'm going to hold to what I said. Here he is. You gave him to me, but essentially he's yours. And she gives him back. And then in verse chapter 2, we see her write this song. And she she. You know, poetry or song, however you want to look at this, she, she worships God, and she gives thanks. And, and essentially, we see her in this song, how she is wrestling through or worshiping God and what she's just done. And notice that, that, that as I read to you this poem, this song that she writes, notice how it's not all about her. She just didn't do this thing, and it's all about like a pity party for herself. She's not like, woe is Hannah, this is all about my son Eli. No, no, what she says, what she writes, it's all about God. God, it's, it's, it's all about you. It's all from you. It's all because of you. The good, the bad, God, you are sovereign. It's all about you. So in 1 Samuel chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, Hanaya, or Paniah, for I delight in your deliverance. And I I, I just love this. Um, I mean, who? I mean, how? This is just unbelievable that she can have this type of faith when. Whenever things are barren or whatever things are prosperous, she's like, whatever, I'm trusting in God. There was no one like, there's no one like the holy God. There's no one besides you. There's no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows, knows everything, and by Him deeds are weighed. 
And I think the reason she can write this like this is because she is more in love with the giver than the gifts themselves. She goes on in verse 4 and says, The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for, full, out for food, but those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven, seven children. Now she goes on, and she has more children after this. After she gives up her son Samuel, she goes on to have more kids. But she who has had many sons pines away. I think that's referring to Paniah. The Lord brings death, and she's talking about God's sovereignty here. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and he raises up. God's in control of all of it. The Lord sends poverty and sends wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in a place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. That's powerful. Let me just say this. The reality is, the reality of all of our stories is this. It's not through our strength that any of us are going to prevail. It's not by your willpower, because you're going to find yourselves in experiences in life. And you guys, I know I'm one of you. There has never been but a handful of times in my life where I felt like I could not solve it on my own. But every now and then, God affords me some experience where I come to the grips of my humanity and the reality of God's sovereignty, where I realize I can't fix this one. And in those moments, in those moments, they cause me to remind myself, who am I placing my faith in? Who do I love more? Me? My wife? My kids? See, most of us, we can make an idol out of anything. Hannah had, a, she had the biggest opportunity to make an idol out of her son. To cling on to him and make him first over God. I, 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 I've looked over my life and there has been many, many times I've had to really look at my, my love for my wife, for my kids, even this church. And I've had to ask myself, do I love God more than this? Because in the end, peace and strength will come, not through my strength, but through my weakness and understanding His power. Wonderful scripture. His power is made perfect in my weakness. When we are weak, He gets to be strong. And sometimes God allows us to run out of ourselves so we can grasp how big and powerful and audacious and awesome and sovereign God really is. He is the God of the open womb and the closed womb. He is the God of barrenness and prosperity. Verse 9, he will guard the feet of his faithful servants. 
but the wicked he will, will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Love that. It is not by strength that one prevails. But, though, but those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king. He will exalt the horn of his anointed. She takes the thing that she could be most tempted to make an idol out of it. Instead, she gives it back to God. So the question again today is this. What are the things that you're holding, clinging on to more so than trusting God by faith? We should keep a tight grip on God and a loose grip on everything else. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the simplicity of this story today. Of how you, um, you've called us all, God, to a place, a place of worshiping you. A place where we can really find peace and satisfaction. Not on your gifts, God, but on, but on you. God, I know that uh, th- this is a real wrestle that I have. God, this is really an area where I believe you, you want me to grow. You want to gift me in this area of growth. God, it's not like all, all on me uh, just to try to pull, pull myself up by my bootstraps and just, you know, just will myself, God. But, God, I think all of us have to get to a place where we have to really exercise and understand how small we are in comparison to you, God, and how finite our thinking and our abilities are in compared to a holy, perfect, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good God who works everything out for good. God, I pray that you could help that seep into our hearts this morning. God, I pray for all of us who, who in, in some way, shape, or form, God, there are things that we are making idols out of and we are holding tightly on to some things, God, you have given us. God, I pray that you would illuminate that to us today. God, I pray that you would, you would help us to, to loosen our grip on those things. And God, help us to learn to lean more on you and to hold tightly to you, the God who saves, the God who loves, the God who knows all and has every bit of all of us in our best interests in mind. God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you for grace. God, I I just, for every man, woman, and child that's here this morning, myself included, God, God, if it were not for you, there'd be no way, God, we could ever be forgiven of our sin and our junk. But God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to offer us salvation, forgiveness, hope. God, that's grace, and it's amazing. Thank you, God, for that. In your precious name we pray.